Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with Venture Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. On the docket for today, earnings, earnings, um, more earnings, just the same old story. Buy every dip, buy every rally, actually. Just buy it all. That's what Dennis thinks this morning. So we'll talk about the earnings. We'll talk about uh, some ratings, and we'll talk about Bitcoin, of course. Big rally over 10000 overnight. Our guest today, Greg Weldon from Weldon Financial. He would join us at 835. In the meantime, Joel, tell us what's happening here overnight. Uh, Spencer in the green by 11.25 handles, a little dip off that 6 p.m. open, pre-market low 35, 33.55.50, pre-market high more interesting, uh, just shy of Tuesday's all-time highs, that's 74.50, we hit 72.75, so split those numbers, that's a target on the upside, the gateway maybe to uh, 4,000. Uh, crude, still like that support at $50, up $0.85 cents at 50.79. Gold in the red by $0.60 cents at 15.69.50. Silver joining in, down 5.7 cents at 17.54. And don't look now, Bitcoin bulls. Futures over 10,000, trading at 10,480. Those futures are up $85. Uh, congrats to the Bitcoin. Is this a, a rally for real here? Over 10,000, Triple D. Yes. I, if I had my shirt, and I'm wearing this space shirt because my kid loves the space shirt. My two-year-old says, wear space, space, space. So I put the space shirt on just for her. So there you go, Natalie. Got the space shirt on for you. But if I had a shirt that said, I love Bitcoin, I would wear it here this morning. Why? This Bitcoin has been, let's bring up the chart. Let's bring up the chart and take a look at it because technically it looks pretty good, but even logically it sounds pretty good. And here's my logic. I mean, you've got China, a lot of people, you know, in a lot of trouble, Wuhan, we will know we got the contagion. I would bet that the recent rally that we're seeing in Bitcoin is being propelled a little bit by maybe some Chinese citizens even, because if you were thinking, you know, we're seeing, you know, videos of people getting welded into their homes and, you know, you're quarantined. You'd probably be a little bit concerned about your bank account too. Just that, you know, the government's kind of controlling your whole life right now. Maybe they're going to actually going to dump in, jump into my bank account and take my money. So if I was, I would maybe be trying to hide my money somewhere. And where I would be hiding it is probably crypto, where you can protect your money a little bit better. So I've never really talked about fundamental cases for crypto. But in this case, I believe there is a fundamental case. So I'm going to call it the Bitcoin safety trade, um, where I think you may potentially have some people right now saying, nah, I'm not that confident. I'm going to hide in something that I know I can protect and keep. What are your thoughts on that theory? Uh, you can't argue with it. I mean, I've just been looking at it. Uh, you know, I can't for sure say about the fundamentals. I'm just talking about uh, the technicals. The technicals and, look good. Yeah. And I, I mean, mean we've always said on, on Bitcoin. Volume. I mean, we've already yeah. traded, uh, uh, let's see here, uh, 8,000 contracts today. And and the interesting thing, too, and I think the CME is still doing it, those are fully margin contracts, fully margin. So you're putting up 
some good money to do this. And I think you got the big boys in there. You know, the big boys talked about, you know, getting in it. Mark Yusko. Uh, we've had some other people come on. Uh, Jerry Parker came on just a few weeks ago and Jerry was bullish. So, you know, pay to play. And the big boys are in there. Rising price, rising volume, rising over interest. You don't have to worry, read Edwards and McGee to know that that is a trend. It's not going away. And, you know, we obviously, you know, we've had a lot of people, you know, come on the show, talk Bitcoin. And Professor Angel was on this show who, uh, who called the top when it back was 20,000. He kind of predicted that it would just eventually fizzle out. It kind of did. But you know what? It got its luster again. And it's starting to shine here once again. It's back above 10,000. I would just say, you know, now that you're over 10,000 and you have a lot of uncertainty everywhere. If Bitcoin was ever going, if there was ever an environment where Bitcoin was going to start to rise, I think it's this type of environment. So I don't own any Bitcoin. I kind of almost want to. I've never owned Bitcoin. I almost kind of want to right now. Uh, but I'm trying to stop myself from doing it because I said I wouldn't become a crypto trader. I've even told you know everyone, I trade equities. I don't trade crypto. But in any regard here, I believe the Bitcoin safety trade is full on. I think the uncertainty, and, and you know, you look at this market and say, what are you talking about uncertainty? I mean, it goes up every day. And sure. But the world uncertainty is a different picture than the market uncertainty. And let's talk about that for a second here, too. Because I, you know, obviously have had, you know, I put, bought some portfolio insurance. I've been a bear pretty much in the last couple of weeks. You know, I've obviously had the full thesis, the full hat on for a decade. And I've been concerned. And it was the first time I bought insurance in a long time. With that being said, so you could say my bias is to the short side. You could say that, even though, you know, I'm not short. But my bias has been more bearish. With that being said, my overnight portfolio has been long every single night. Why do I keep, you know, why am I long if I'm bearish? Because just the market is telling me that it doesn't matter. What did I buy last night? You know, I was buying, you know, other stocks that were down. I was actually able to buy some wind resorts last night that was trading lower. I mean, and now it's up four bucks here this morning. It's a type of market that makes no logical sense, but you cannot trade logic all the time. Sometimes you just got to trade the tape in front of you. And in this market, market is making new all-time highs. It gives me no technical reason to be short. So even though I bought portfolio insurance, because this is separate from, you know, that's my long-term investing hat, that I don't know if this thing's going to be okay. I went out to June. I said, I want to hedge some of my portfolio because I'm still concerned that this is still in the early innings. The market has zero concerns about that. I don't know why it keeps going up every day. I don't know why it doesn't care that there's people dying. I don't know why it doesn't consider, you know, the cases. It says, oh, the cases are going down. So kind of predictable that the market's going to go up. The cases are going to go down. But now they don't even consider some cases cases. So they changed the definition of it two days ago. And that's really why the cases are going down. But that's a whole other story. Trade the market in front of you. You've got to be able to trade against your bias sometimes. I have trouble doing that, but right now I'm not. And overnight, I'm long again. And you know what? I'm getting paid to be long. Uh, one final thing, just going to finish up the Bitcoin discussion. What do we have coming up uh, this week and on Monday? What do we have coming up? Well, you guys don't have it, but we have it. Oh, Joel's right. A three-day weekend. And it's always nervousness into a three-day weekend. I don't think I would want to be long into the weekend. I'm just saying from day to day, it's predictable. You can watch the cases come out. Until we start seeing people die outside of China, that's going to be, I think, the, the, the turning point. If we start seeing people die outside of China, if some people start dying on this cruise ship, and we hope that doesn't happen, yeah, yeah. that's going to be kind of you know, where the market, I think, gets more nervous. Because right now, 
almost all of the deaths, I know we've had like three people outside of China die, but almost all of the deaths so far have been within China. We start seeing people die outside China, that's where the market might start to get nervous. But this market shows no nervousness whatsoever. Aju says this is a top because I just called and I went bullish here. I'm not bullish, Aju. I'm just saying I'm long overnight. I'll be out of all these trades at 10 o'clock. But every night I get a little bit long and I sell in the morning. I did this yesterday. I did this the day before. So despite my bias, I am actually trading from the long side. So Aju, sorry to disappoint you, but I actually made money the last two days. So I know a, a lot of people in the chat like it when I lose money. Uh, sorry to disappoint. No, Dennis, don't uh, say sorry that. Sorry to disappoint. Well, there's a few people, so not a lot of people. Who, sorry. who, the chat's who in the awesome. chat likes you to lose money? But there's a few people that always say that they like it when I uh, lose money. So. Because I'll have Spencer kick them out. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. I like the haters. you got to have some haters in there. We can't have a chat that just has 100% love. The chat's, yeah, we uh, do. the chat's awesome for all those reasons. This is why we have a market. If we don't have people on the other sides of my trades, I can't make money, Joel. This is why we have a market. So we love everybody in the chat. Love. Hate, it's all good, guys. It's, it's all, all good. good. Everything is good. Kumbaya. Everything is good. The whole world's good. And you know what? You Kumbaya. made such a good point, Spencer. You made such a good point early on the pre-pre-market show. I did. That even if the market goes to pull back significantly, what's going to happen? We got Powell. We got the Fed put. Oh, we got yeah. Powell. Yeah, party. So, you know, despite, you know, obviously China having a lot of issues right now, none of that is concerning in the North American markets. Until people start dying over here. I'm going to say that's going to be the turning point. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we can continue this party. Hopefully my portfolio insurance, hopefully the insurance that I bought on my portfolio expires worthless. Because you know what? The market was up so much in the last week and a half that I'm actually up more on my overall portfolio than I paid for the total insurance. I said I paid 3% going out to June. Well, if you look, the markets have moved up over 3% the last week. So um, unbelievably, I'm, I'm glad I didn't go in. I did sell some stocks. Some people were saying, I thought you raised some cash. I did sell a few stocks, but I went from, I was always been somewhat underinvested. So I think I sold four or five stocks. I rebought some stocks too, though. So I bought Sarepta Therapeutics back on the pullback at 111. I also bought Marvel two days ago at 24. I talked about it on the show that I was thinking about buying it. I'm glad I pulled the trigger. I had a big day yesterday. So I'm kind of starting to get, you know, some of my investments back as well. But the biggest thing that I did um, to insure myself was I bought spy puts. Those have obviously not performed well. I bought some at 325 when the spy was 327. And I bought more at 333 when the spy was at 333. So obviously I'm losing on those uh, puts. I'm down significantly on those puts. I also have puts on some airlines. I have different puts. Those I'm losing on. But again, that was to hedge my long-term portfolio. I'm glad I'm losing on that because like I said, it would have been the worst case. I just liquidated my portfolio and went to cash because um, I'd be not participating in this rally, which I'm fully participating in still, despite how. Hey, Triple D, real quick here. Um, bull for trading. I mean, now you're still doing your stat arm when you're talking about. You're just. All of it. Yeah. All yeah, of it. yeah. But so I'm you're not. Biased to the long side, Joel. Here's what, you know, normally when I'm doing market neutral trading and I'm trading in the markets, normally I'm market neutral. But right now, my, my logic tells me to be market short, but my, the technicals, the trading is telling me just be market long. So I'm still market kind of neutral. I still have some shorts and some longs, but I'm always staying a little bit biased to the long side right now because the trend is your friend. We keep opening up every single day. I said it last night. Somebody at Bright was asking me, he's like, there's no good edges out here right now. Like, you know, it's, it's weird. The information, you know, they're, they're selling off stocks, you know, like they're, they're buying the cruise lines on people, you know, getting quarantined. He's like, it, it's not making any sense. 
Um, but Anaida said to him, well, what do you mean there's no good edges? The, the best edge out there is just long overnight. Because it seems you, like we go up every single day. So you morning, like if, at least in the morning. So if you buy something, then you buy spiders as hedge? Is that what you're doing? Oh, buy and buy? No, <laughs> not quite that. But I'm always a little bit – I always try to trade markets. So this is the overnight portfolio. Take the investing cap off. Investing portfolio is – it's only a third hedge. I didn't hedge the whole thing. Yep. I, I didn't want to spend that much. I couldn't bring myself to spend a hundred grand on portfolio insurance. So I only partially hedged it, my long-term portfolio. So, but uh, on the trading, if I put the trading cap, the trading cap on, just the trading cap, um, I usually trade market neutral. What does that mean? Equal longs, equal shorts, mostly dollars. Sometimes I beta hedge it, but for the most part, dollar neutral. So if I got a million dollars worth of longs, I got a million dollars worth of shorts, I'm kind of market neutral. It kind of eliminates the market risk. Well, right now I try to stay a little bit biased on the long side. So if I got a million dollars in shorts, maybe I got 1.1 million dollars in longs. This is overnight stuff. This is my stat, my statistical arbitrage. It's my information arbitrage. You know, there might be news on a stock. You know, there might be something happening last night, like Qualcomm gets upgraded last night. I buy Qualcomm. I mean, it's just Daiwa. But anyways, they love anything that's upgraded right now. And I get paid for that this morning. So that's just, that's just information arbitrage. You know, there's obviously other things as well that are involved, you know, and we talk, you know, I do a little bit of index arb in there as well. You know, the after hours index arb, we've talked about that. The top 10 stocks make up 20% of, you know, the SPY. So if you can get those top 10 stocks, mostly you'll, you'll kind of, for the most part, you know, obviously there's sometimes, you know, the other 490 can make up for it, but those 10 stocks kind of drive the bus. You got those 10 stocks, you kind of got the market on 90% of the days. Lots going on all the time in my trading portfolio, but I try to stay market neutral. But in this market, despite my bias, it's better to stay a little bit long even in your overnight portfolio because it seems like that's where the alpha is coming from right now. Uh, can, we, can we jump to, uh, to Microsoft here real quick? Uh, Texas, Linda. Do we lose Dennis? I'm here. Oh, okay. Let's jump to Mr. Softy yesterday. And yep. um, what happened? It I, went I, down. I'm trying to figure that out myself. So, um, and, I, and it had a big reversal day yesterday. And you know what I believe just happened? It was just simply way overbought and was due for a pullback. This stock three weeks ago was 160 bucks. It ran, and this is a huge company. You're talking about one of the biggest companies, if not the biggest company in the world. Throw on, you know, 30 points or, you know, another like, 16 or 17 percent in market cap in 15 trading sessions it was simply overbought and yesterday was a turning point i believe for microsoft it was a big ugly red candle with that being said as long as this double bottom holds 183 50 183 very good quarter, bulls are still somewhat in control here so don't get all happy and start short microsoft i think this was kind of like a Tesla candle, and the Tesla was extreme so this is a light version this is called this Tesla light here but it had a really big run and pulled back significantly, you know, yesterday off of the highs. Opened at the high and kept pulling straight down. Despite overall tech holding up not bad. So Microsoft had an ugly day. That's okay. It's bouncing back a little bit here this morning. I'd just be cautious. I don't know if I'd be jumping in with longs here. I'm not shorting it here, but I don't know if I'm jumping in here long either. Below 183 and a quarter, though, it gets interesting. Yeah, that gets interesting. And for those of you long-term holders here of uh, Microsoft and you want to check the validity of this decline, I'm looking at 187, 187.10. We haven't quite hit that yet in the pre-market. That's halfway back. So if you have any nervous Nellies out there that you know looked at that candle from yesterday, uh, to me, 187. Close back above there. Everything is uh, good in Microsoft land. Old-time high from yesterday, 
190.70, all-time closing high, 188.70. So there's a got a couple levels on the upside here in Mr. Softy. Um, so you did see a little bit of risk off yesterday in a few other stocks, but like some people were pointing out stocks like Amazon, they, they did pull back from the highs though. So it was, and even the queues themselves, it was a somewhat little bit of a concerning candle. I'm not too concerned about it yet. If you're looking at the queues, if you are biased long or you just flat out long, and we know we have a lot of people who just trade the long side that listen to the show. I try to stay market neutral. In my long-term portfolio, I'm always long. So I'm always invested. Sometimes I hedge myself, not very often, but you know, I obviously hedge myself a little bit here with the puts that I bought. But if you are just flat out long the queues, I'd look at this level right here. There's three lows back from February the 6th to 27.98. Next day, 228.54, but then the next one, 228.38. Three lows within 50 cents of each other. That's that would be number. my line in the sand. Below 227.98, I'd be starting to get a little bit nervous. So bull's completely in control, at least for another four points down on the queue. Starts to go down below that, then you get concerned. Again, the headline that I am you know, going to be cautious on is, is if people start dying outside of China. That's where I will start to get a lot more cautious. I think, right. you're, I think you're green-lighted until that happens, though. And hopefully it will not happen. Hopefully uh, it will not happen. We want, even when you, you st are you still holding your portfolio insurance to a certain extent? Yeah, I did not go nearly as deep as you did. I didn't go that deep either though. Like I would say I hedged about, it's hard because I've got, it's even hard. Like, cause I'm, I'm not just flat out, like, you know, long a whole bunch of spy and I can just short, you know, put buy spy puts, you know, I've got my, my portfolio in itself is a lighter beta portfolio. We know I like a lot of value stocks. I do own Shopify. I do own a few growth stocks in there. Let's talk uh, about But I've got a lot of, and let's talk about that in a second. But I've got, you know, preferred stocks in there that typically don't move. And I have a lot of different types. I'm a different type of investor. And maybe it's because, you know, I, I'm 43 years old. I'm kind of in midlife now. I don't need to be all in on growth, 100% growth on everything. I, I'm, I'm more about protecting the wealth I've created now than, you know, crazy growing it. You know, I'm comfortable with my life, comfortable with my finances are. I don't want to see, you know, I have to start working again. And that's why, you know, I buy a little bit of portfolio insurance to hedge some of my stuff. But, you know, I'd say my portfolio is probably, I probably sold about 5%. I, I did raise a little bit of cash for sure, which it was a mistake. 100% that was a mistake. That was when SPY was 228. So it's eight points higher than that. That was a mistake. But um, I think I'm going to get chances here yet to get some of that back. All right, let's. Uh, we got some big old earnings here to talk about. Where do you want to start, Mister Spencer? Well, let's start with Shopify. Since yeah, we mentioned it. Uh, talk about a high flyer. Uh, stock's been ripping. Expectations are high, and it was still a good report in spite of that. They blew away the EPS estimate, forty-three cents versus twenty-four cent estimate. Sales was very good as well, five hundred five million dollars versus a four eighty-two million dollar estimate. So they blew away the expectations for the Q4 quarter. They gave some guidance, some sales guidance for the current quarter and for the year. Both those numbers were were fine. They were in line with, with estimates. So a great Q4 earnings report and in line Q1 and fiscal year sales guidance for Shopify. It was a good quarter. You know, I'm actually surprised it's up 42 points on this. So I'm long Shopify, full disclosure. Great. I plan on holding it. I basically... I bought Shopify in November. I almost I almost got the bottom. I think I got this around 290. So it was Canadian equivalent, but I like missed the bottom by like eight bucks. So I, I bought that perfectly. Um, I did sell par half of it on the way up. I wish I would not have, and I've held the rest of it. So I wish I would have held it all. That was a mistake to sell half of it. Um, on the stuff that I held, I mean, we're 535 here this morning, 290. I mean, I'm up like 80 or 90% in three months. It's been a good run. 
So is Shopify due for an eventual pullback here? I think so, but this company I believe in. Um, I think, you know, and, and people, you know, look at me and say, well, this isn't your style, Shopify, growth stock. You know, your style is more value, cash, you know, and stocks that are making money and giving nice dividends. But you have a little bit of, of growth little bit there of too. That, yeah. And I really believe in the story. I believe that, you know, it's one of the only good Canadian companies to invest in from a tech perspective. And I, so I believe, you know, a lot of Canadian investors look at this and say, okay, I want to buy tech. What am I going to buy? You automatically go to Shopify. So I, I'm a believer, a firm believer in Shopify. I believe in the platform. I believe they're going to be attacking Amazon. Um, and that's why I stay long. 541.10. Is that five? Yeah. 541.10. You spiked up there on the headline number. You went to 540 even. And then on the next bracket, you went to 541.10. Five bucks off it. I don't think it's going to pull like a Hasbro. Did you see Hasbro yesterday? Holy Joel. Holy mackerel. Yes, Bad. Metal, metal. Shevitz. Uh, anyways. If you got a target here, 540, 541 on the upside. Uh, if not, you might get a little bit of a fade, a little bit of profit taking, but uh, that's the only number I can give you, folks, 541. They, they opened that Hasbro and pulled the rug right out from underneath it. Um, I had no idea which way. I said, I'm not calling this one. I said, I could see it you know, going. It's, a, it's the gap area. I could see this continue to go up. I could also see this giving it all back. That's why I said it was a coin flip for me and I wasn't trading it. It gave it all back. So terrible candle for Hasbro. Um, you know, when you have a decent report and you gap up eight bucks and you give it all back, that is never a good thing. I would not want to own Hasbro right now. Next. Next. Let's go to Lyft here. Lyft sort of gets victimized. Because uh, they reported uh, second? Because they reported second. But also, so Uber set, set the tone with their report. They talked about their, pro their profitability. They said they'll be profitable sooner Rather, rather than later, they're cutting their uh, costs. Profitability was a main, that was the theme of Uber's earnings report. It was not the theme of Lyft's report. So the numbers were what they were. They, they lost 41 cents per share on an adjusted basis. Uh, their sales, uh, 1.01 versus 980, $1.01 billion versus 94 million. Sales were fine, but their losses are increasing. They did not even talk about when they'll be profitable. And I think that's what the street was expecting. And that's what you're seeing stock down here this morning. A victim of reporting second. Um, I've said that and talked with the strategy for years on the show. You report first, they set the bar really high for Lyft. They could not get over that bar. But again, you, you make some good fundamental points. They didn't talk about the profitability that Uber talked about. Um, so that's what the media is gonna grab onto here. I'd say as long as it's above 50, Let's see what it does because this could be a potential one that they come in and buy the dip was very loved coming into the report. I, and this isn't like, you know, you know, we talked about Under Armour yesterday. I was like, this is not the kind of dip you want to buy. I said this in UA yesterday when it was $16. I said that being said, you know, it does have a support of 15. Funny that it just falls right at 15. But I mean, it's, this is a stock that's opposite. It's been going up. It's been trending up. It's, it's could be like an AMD. AMD took three, four days eventually shrugs it off and starts making new highs a week and a half later. This, I could see the potential for this to do that. I want to see it hold 50 though. That's the important number. So if it can hold 50 over the next two or three days, this is a shot to get these losses back. So uh, it's a buy the dip potential here. Although I'll say guilty until proven innocent. I want to see hold 50. You know what? I'm going to jump your bid there by a buck and uh, I'm going to focus on 51. And the reason is, it's just, you know, you had to decline 
You made the pre-market low, I believe, just under 51. I can't, let me see the exact number here. Pre-market low, 50.89. But there seems like, what's the bid offer in there? Do you see like an iceberg or anything in there, like around 51? Uh, no, it's tight. So what do you it's think? It's tight. So someone's, someone's supporting this stock at 51. If they could get out of the way, then you may test that 50 level. But when you have a big drop like that, and then you see the stock holding a particular area for hours since the 8 o'clock close. Yeah. To me, someone wants to own the stock at 51. So you clear them out. Maybe you test that $50 level. But I don't know. I want to be short in this thing uh, in the 51 today. All right. Let's go to uh, maybe our disaster stock of the day. Sure. That is Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh, they did the a old, predictable disaster stock. They did I the say. old pre-reported trick they're not scheduled to report earnings for like a, a month at least they're always very late in the season and they said let's get the bad news out of the out of the way now and when we actually get to our earnings report you'll forget about it so the bad news is out uh yesterday they said that their their comps their comparable sales for the first two months of uh the quarter declined 5.4 percent that's not good that's not good that's their same store sales yeah that's not good this is the opposite of, you know, like looking at, you know, those high flyers and growth stocks and buying, you know, good companies on dips. This is buying bad companies on dips. I don't buy bad companies on dips. So if you want to buy at 11, maybe it bounces back. I mean, this stock I've had, I've, I've thought this was dead for a long time. I've had this for dead money. Well, forever. I mean, we've, if you've been listening to the show, we talked bearish about Bed Bath & Beyond for years. I'm taking heat for it too. I mean, we were bearish the stock at 50 bucks. So I'm not getting off the bear train on this. I think all rallies still to be sold on this thing. The recent rally was a rip your face off one though. So if you're short from eight to 18, it really sucked. Now, you know, it's coming back in again. I mean, it seems like this company, everybody wanted to believe in the turnaround story. It suckered people in here again. I just do not think a turnaround is imminent. I know there's activist action in there and yeah, everything. There you go. Yep. It, it really is just a bad story. So there's good stocks and bad stocks and there's good companies and bad companies. This company just doesn't have it. I, 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 I'm not a fan of the stock whatsoever. I'm not a fan of this company. So, you know, is it going to be short squeezes? Could, you know, activists turn around? Maybe. I'm not betting my money on it, though. Uh, they're going to put me on the board, and I'm going to get rid of the 20% coupons is what they need to do. And they Any need to company that needs to coupon the hell to get you into the store. Think about how many sales you get at Lululemon. Do you get coupons for 20% off or 30% off at Lululemon showing up in your doorstep? Do you, have you ever seen any couponing really for Lululemon? Maybe you get them online or something, but do you ever see like a mass coupon promotion for Lululemon? I, I think you're talking to the wrong crowd here. I, I, well, yeah, what, what do you mean? I'm asking the chat too, because I've okay. never seen any Lululemon coupon show up at my doorstep. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So why? And that's telling you that's a good company. They don't have to discount to sell. When you've got a discount to sell, it's always usually an issue. I mean, and, and yes, fast food restaurants give you some deals to get you in and stuff, but I, it, it's just to tell. I mean, when you, you got to get the you know, 30% off coupon to go into the store, they're probably not making much money on you. They're trying to just get you in the store and hope you buy something else. It's a loss leader, those coupons. Get you in the store. It will get you 25% off towels. Maybe you'll buy some soap. I mean, it's, it's tough. They also went into like food. Like they have like all this big food section now. They, yeah, but uh, they're trying enough. everything. Throw, you know, the SHI blank against the wall and see what sticks. Well, you know what? Not much is sticking on those Bed Bath & Beyond walls. Sorry. Next. All right. Uh, boom, boom. 
good product. I don't know if the sellers are done yet here. Uh, are just, they ever really done in Bed Bath & Beyond, Joel? We've talked about the stock since $50 and the sellers just, you know, even when we get these little rallies, activists coming in, going to turn the whole thing around, you know, fast money pumping it because, oh, the activist is in there now. This is going to be a turnaround story. Wrong. I stay bearish. Uh, man, I don't know if we got the gas to fill the gap from October 9th and 10th. Uh, I don't know, Spencer. Could you look? Was that like an earnings or was that an activist uh, ploy or something? Because you had a day where you closed at 994, then the next day you closed at 1209. That kick started the whole rally. Was that when they yeah. booted the president or something like that, CEO? That but, uh, yes, it was. Very good. Thank you. Okay. So do I think we're going to fill the gap at 10.05 today? No. But would I be buying like at 10.60, hoping to scalp out at 11? No. no. So uh, let's see. That's a buck away. But if it did get down to that area the first it time. It could see 10 bucks. Yeah, 10 bucks. If, it, if, 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 possible yeah. scenario here. If it gets down there, I don't think it will. But right now, sellers are not le uh, not letting up on it. 10.99, that's your last print. Just skimming along the lows of the pre-market. All right, there's a few more reports where we'd like to go. We can go to CVS. We can go to uh, Akamai. We can go to uh, – let's go to CVS. You're the producer, man. All right, you, you All right. fine. Then we'll, go, we'll do CVS. They're out this morning. Stock was down. Now it's up. Q4 adjusted EPS, buck seventy three versus buck sixty eight. Sales also beat 66.9 for $63.9 billion. So a beat and a beat for CVS. Last quarter, they gave some guidance, uh, EPS guidance for the year. That was in line with estimates. Again, WBA is at the bar low for them. They're the beneficiary. So again, if you're just turning in for the first time, we always talk about this. If the company ahead of you, if you're reporting second, you always want the company ahead of you to miss because then the bar is set lower for yourself and you can actually rally. I mean, the CVS is decent, but let's be honest, WBA was not a good report the last one. So here, yeah, they beat by a nickel. Yes, the sales are pretty good. Yes, the guidance is in line. It's all pretty good, but the bar wasn't that high for this either. Yeah, it ran up for the last week and a half, but everything ran up in the last week and a half. So, I mean, you do have some resistance. I'm not coming here and buying CVS. I don't know if this is like, you know, a stock that I just want to pile in and it's going to take out 80, 90 and go to 100 and be the next big growth thing. Uh, but I'm kind of just hands off. I, I will say there's some resistance over overhead supply here, though, 76 to 77. Yeah, I was just gonna. I mean, you had a big high and a big low here. You're trading up um, a buck ninety six. Ah, oh, man, I see three highs between seventy six oh one and seventy six forty four. So intermediate target. Let's just use the highest one of those seventy six forty four, and uh, the high in the move has been seventy seven oh three. Um, Mar Mills making fun of me here, which I don't mind. She says, uh, I think it's a she. Uh, Joel has a Peloton. I'm sure there's Lulu in his closet. I have full disclosure here, and I don't want you guys to make fun of me. But uh, Lisa wanted to, you know, return some of the stuff that we went at Lululemon. Okay. And she's like, no, you, you got to try the pants on. You got to try the pants on. And I did. And I think they're ridiculous. I, <laughs> Why are they ridiculous? ridiculous. I don't know. They're ridiculously comfortable, comfortable Spencer Israel says. I just differ. I'm an old dude. I don't think that uh You don't that, look good in yoga pants, Joel. I'm I sorry. don't look good. I mean, no, she's like, <laughs> oh yeah, so and so is wearing them. And I'm like, oh my God. I tried them on and I'm like, too long, too short. I'm like, 
I, for full disclosure, I, I did buy a pair and I'm returning them because they look absolutely ridiculous. So I'm not shorting Lululemon, but man, I don't know about those pants. I really did. Lisa did well in the store, but uh, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, if I'm going to wear sweatpants, I'm going to wear sweatpants, you know? But uh, anyways, I thought no big fun of me about this, but I did try them. All right, let's move on to CyberArk here. This one seems to alternate uh, oh. reactions to earnings reports. Uh, one quarter, it's terrible. Next quarter, it's great. Next quarter, it's terrible. These are tr identifiable trends. Why didn't you tell me about this before they reported? Maybe I would have been I short. I need to know this news yesterday, Mr. Israel. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the, the earnings for CyberArk were, were fine. They beat on the EPS. They beat on the sales estimate. The guidance they gave was light. The EPS guidance for the current quarter, very light. Sales guidance for the current quarter, also light. Guidance for the fiscal year, also light on the EPS. And, well, the sales was fine. But very light guidance, earnings notwithstanding. So it was a good quarter, but light on the forward-looking statements. It's hard to just come in. And, and again, this is a stock that maybe in a week and a half, they turn around and start buying it here again. But this was very, very toppy coming in. It wasn't like these one that was going straight up. I mean, here you've had this relentless, you know, run in the, in the SPY in the last, you know, couple of weeks. It didn't participate. Why did it not participate in the last week and a half? It didn't participate at all. So I don't know. Maybe people were nervous about the quarter or whatever. But there's so many tops there. I don't like, you know, I didn't like, I actually sometimes go long into reports and then I try to get out after hours. And I was even nervous on this one last night because it just looked so toppy on the chart. Not the technicals matter when there's a fundamental event, but sometimes they do a little bit. There's just so much resistance up there. I was like, I'm eh, not even going to take my chance that I won't be able to get out of that one after hours. And uh, I'm glad I, you know, I, maybe I would have last night. I'm not sure what it did after hours, but down 12 bucks would be a horrible one to hold through the report. Support down to 120. That's six bucks lower. It's had a good run. I, 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 this is a tough one. This is one of those curveballs. I don't know how to hit this pitch. Uh, this one we talked about yesterday and it was just a quiet consolidation and, you know, the, the trend had been up. So, you know, it's kind of hard to fade it, but it, they had had a trap door there. I think I called 136 yesterday because, uh, yeah, like, let's say three, four lows, um, since the end of January there. So 136, that was the trap door. So, I mean, but that's now that's in the rear view mirror here. So I mean, do what, I don't want to short it down twelve bucks or whatever it is. Pre-market low one twenty-two fifty. Hopefully, you get some kind of bounce in this and get back. I don't know if you're going to fill the gap or whatever. But a lot of people stuck on this one, and a lot of people still sitting on a lot of profits, folks. I mean, this stock bottomed under a hundred dollars uh, back in October. So if you think you know one twenty-seven. It's a low price. Well, if you bought it under 100, it's still not a bad gain. So hopefully this one gets a, gets a little bit of a pop and short into strength as opposed to shorting into weakness. And this was Anne Marie's pick. I don't, I would probably could have had her on today, get her opinion. If she's lurking in the chat room, see if she's buying the dip in this one. All right, let's do one more while we uh, wait for our guest. Let's do Teva. This one's been on a bit of a rally of late, and they reported earnings this morning, and the earnings were. Uh, good. They beat on their EPS. They beat on their sales. And the guidance that they gave uh, for the year was in line with estimates. 
is already trading over in Europe. So price discovery has already happened. They've priced it up 4%. That's why you see a one cent tidy market. It's just the HFT, high frequency arbitrage going on there, obviously looking at the price over in Europe. And they give you a nice one to two cent market here over in the US in the pre-market because we know where it's trading over in Europe. So price discovery has already happened for the most part. So it's don't expect this wild volatility in this thing. Uh, trading up is nice. Um, uh, it's hard. ADR is technically, I mean, because you got to look at really, this is the secondary market here. So what is it doing over there? You're always kind of chasing over here. That's one thing why, and, and, and you know, Alibaba is a different story where this is kind of still the primary market. When you look at a Teva ADR, the primary market's over in Europe. So you got to look at the trading action over there, really. Joel, thoughts on the chart? Uh, I mean, it's a laggard here. Where are we trading at? Um, Trading at uh, twelve eighty four, thirteen dollars. Someone has an opinion. Thirteen dollars. That was your early morning high. So you get through thirteen. I'm looking for more on the upside here um, in Teva. Just real quick. So man, we're getting a bunch of symbols here. MMYT trade doc. I don't know what got into this thing yesterday. What, what stock? MMYT. Well, I don't know. I have no trip? idea. Make my trip. Oh, good one, Dennis. Um, I've never heard of this company. It's just you got one. You got. I've never. I've never traded this before. There's not a lot of stocks I've never traded before. Is this an old company? Or is this some from something else? It's been around for a while. Wow. I I don't know how I've missed this one. I got to add this to my system. But I, I would like to see what the float is here. I bet you. I've never. I've never traded this stock before. You want oh, to see? Of course, it just, I, I pick on you know the, the mega caps for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I just want you know plow through twenty nine thirty five. You know, get a higher close on the move. Get over thirty dollars. You know, it did have a what rally was the going move into this. What, what what happened yesterday? I have no idea. Short squeeze? I don't know. What happened? That's an yesterday? explosion. On heavy Something volume. Exploded yesterday. Was I mean, sometimes you think it? there's a two day move. Uh, I didn't it's see any news. No. What was the news? I I said I did not see any news. Above $30, maybe you think the squeeze continues there, but I never chase. This is the definition of chasing. I've always, you know, I always talk about, you know, get on the train before it leaves the station. Get the setup. This one oh, I think this might go. This train is flying down the tracks and you're trying to jump on. So maybe you're going to get lucky and be able to jump on the side of it, or maybe you're going to fall into the tracks and get run over. In either regard here, it's run too far for me to make a trade on this. All right. Greg around? Yep, let's bring on our guest today, Greg Weldon from Weldon Financial. He's been through it all in these markets. He's seen everything there is to see, more or less. Greg, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing okay. How about yourself? Great, thanks. Just back from Vancouver, actually, where I spoke at the World Outlook Conference over the weekend. So quite a collection. And what and, is? Go ahead, Spencer. Well, I, I mean, if, if you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, what is the outlook for the world? Well, I mean, I think there was a optimistic viewpoint with an undercurrent of fear is really kind of, you know, to shave it all down. A lot of different perspectives, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, when I, look at the, when I look at what's going on, I think the, the thing that strikes me the most is you're seeing an expansion in volatility in nature, in a lot of things. And I could get really deep with you to explain why from an astrophysics perspective and a, a dynamic around what's happening in our solar system as to why exactly this is. But in that vein, it's important to note how that relates to the stock market where you know officialdom has done their best job for decades now trying to basically eradicate volatility from the asset markets. So I think that that 
you know, polarization itself speaks volumes. And I think that uh, one thing that we can anticipate, I believe, going forward is an expansion in volatility at some point that could be significant. Why, why do you think that? Is, a, you know, is there a catalyst here that you're seeing? Why, why do you think that volatility might expand? I mean, it always does for peri- you know, short periods of time, but are you seeing like a prolonged volatility expansion? Like VIX you know, starts to trade up in the 20s regularly? What are your, what's your thought process behind yeah, that? Yeah, I'm seeing kind of a secular shift. Uh, what, w- one of the primary driving forces here, of course, is just to really take a giant step back and look at the period since... 1971, since we went off the gold standard. And I'm not a gold standard guy. I think that that's ridiculous. But if you really, you know, break it down, since then, the dollar, having gained the right of seniorage, you know, from uh, the outcome of World War II, you know, basically had the right to print as much money as they wanted to. And we went into this 50-year trend of, you know, bubble, uh, deflation, central bank activity. And each step of the way, it has been more significant. I mean, I remember 1987, and I remember Alan Greenspan delivering a $100 billion aid package, and people went ballistic because $100 billion back then was enormous. And if you look at it now, it's a blip on the radar screen. You barely even notice 1987 if you look at a chart of the S&P 500. Subsequently, 1990, uh, you know, they took uh, the Fed funds rate to three when inflation was three. The first time ever you had an effective real Fed funds rate of zero and people went crazy. Uh, you know, you kind of got your, your Greenspan put, you've had your Bernanke bailout. You, you got to 2007 where, you know, obviously they, they had to monetize government debt and something that I was saying they would do, you know, late 2006, early 2007. And again, that's crazy. That'll never happen. And of course it did. But where do we go from here? You have negative interest rates that are sucking trillions of dollars out of the real economy, particularly in Europe, uh, in, you know, making a policy error, frankly, the ECB basically told, you know, the, the populace of Europe, we see things so negative that we can't even create a scenario where we're going to be raising rates in the next two years. And, and that's just, you know, backfired because they thought, hey, if we do what the U.S. did, you're going to, you know, spark consumption over savings and you're going to spark uh, you know, investment in risk assets. That's not what happened. I mean, the European, you know, households went into a cocoon and basically said, hey, I'll pay the German government to hold my money safely for 30 years. Yeah, I mean, you insane. know, think of how insane that is. Insane. But where do they go from here? Because negative rates don't work and they're not going to really, I don't think, get any deeper. Uh, you have a few central banks that have some room, one of which is the Fed. And if you kind of look at what the Fed said in their last two uh, rate cuts, they use two words repeatedly, uh, international and global, because really they've kind of become the central bank to the world. Yeah. What you're seeing now that I don't really hear much talk about, and we got great examples over the last two weeks, and last week specifically, the Bank of Thailand cut interest rates to a record low and specifically targeted their currency. The Monetary Authority of Singapore, one of the most respected central banks in the world, uh, specifically target their currency. And what was interesting in targeting their currencies, they're doing it at a time when gold in those currencies is making record highs. So when I see kind of this just disproportionate dynamic in, you know, debt versus what are the central bank's ability to kind of paper through the next potential downturn. And I can tell you in South Florida, in Palm Beach uh, County here, in Palm Beach Island, Jupiter Island, 
people that are a lot more wealthy and successful than me, people that have become successful because they have learned to listen to their instincts are coming to me and saying, you know, they're afraid. They don't know why, but they're uneasy. Confidence is fraying in central banks. And I think that leads to volatility that ties in with the volatility you're seeing in everything else. I mean, just look at the political scene. The left is more extreme, the right is more extreme, and they're divided more than ever. It's not necessarily record heat, although it's you know solar warming. It's not just global warming. I mean, the ice shelves are melting on Pluto, for crying out loud. But when you look at it, you also have record cold. You have record floods and record drought. The polarization of pretty much everything in physics is extending, and that's a trend that is uh, secular and is not going to go away. And when that hits the financial markets, which are poised because you have this disproportionate dynamic between debt and the need to keep creating more money that, and from a mathematical perspective, becomes really problematic from here, given what how about the, created. What about the political environment here? We're coming into an election year. We are in an election year. Um, any election year cycles, anything uh, that um, you're looking for in uh, you know, the market? Market usually trends higher in an election year. They like to juice the economy. Is there anything um, in your studies that you want to reveal? I try and stay away from politics. I'm not you know, a political cycles guy for sure. Okay. But what I do see, okay, is the chance for more volatility. Let me throw a little curveball at you because uh, I've kind of had this thought process in my back pocket. And sure. when someone else brought this up at the conference over the weekend, it really caught my attention. Uh, if you look at the Democratic Party and you look at the fracturing and you look at the implosion and the self-destruction that's going on there, you could make a, you could create a scenario. Don't get too crazy, but you could create a scenario where they draft Hillary Clinton. I mean, who else out there really has any chance to beat Trump? Not that she does. Not that she's a viable candidate. Not that, you know. But if you want to talk surprises and you want to talk, let's create volatility and polarization, she would be the most polarizing figure possible. And that's why, to me, there are some odds. I mean, let's put it this way. The odds of that happening are not zero. Now, Vegas has odds on it. What are the odds? I, I don't. This is not something I really looked into. But I'm going to go look just, in the background. I'll try to yeah, find those. Okay. Uh, uh, let's talk uh, crude oil here. Uh, boy, big uh, big. Yeah. Jump to 65 here, back down, bottoming under 50 here. I know you're a commodities guy here. Any any take on crude? And let's throw gold in there at the same time. Yeah, absolutely on crude. Uh, we sold it at 59 when it came off the highs. It was one of the biggest reversal patterns we've ever seen. I mean, of course, that was linked to Iran and Iraq and the missiles and so on and so forth. But the bigger picture, and this blows my mind, and I was just talking about this yesterday, actually. Uh, when When you think about it, well, look what's happening. You have, you know, UC Berkeley, you have Harvard, you have Penn, you have Georgetown now. All these schools, the endowment funds are big. I used to be, when I was at Lehman, I was a broker, and Harvard Management was one of our customers. And they're massive. They're market moving when they want to be. They've all announced they're going to liquidate their fossil fuel, you know, investments in, in the next five years. When is the last time you heard a hedge fund with huge position in something come out and say publicly, we're going to look to liquidate? All right. So, you know, first of all, just put your head on the chopping block, why don't you? All right. So this has created tremendous pressure, but it also reflects the secular picture. All right. So, uh, you know, I, I, gosh, you, you say to yourself, is there a point where ExxonMobil at a record discount to the broader market is value? Or do you say ExxonMobil is violating a 50-year uptrend line? You know, I don't know. What I do know is 
to me, the play has been to be short crude right here and more so to be long some of the alternative green energies. Solar is uh, something we picked up uh, early last week and is just taken off in just a matter yeah. of days. We, uh, we've been talking about this trade on this yeah. show as well for the last year, and I've been bearish oil and, and bullish solar stocks for a while. I mean, look at the ETF tan. Yeah, that no, it's back, off. back in November was just another buying opportunity, and that's been blasting off. And I mean, you can come on and say, oh, well, we need the world needs oil, but will we need it forever? That is a big question. I don't know if the world does need oil. I mean, we do right now, but as more alternatives come online here, we're going to need less oil. And yeah. so I don't like the secular, I don't. You know, I, I just think, you know, and what you're, you know, you're talking about too, you know, the global warming problem, all the other issues, the younger generation wants clean energy. It's going to be the younger generation that eventually runs this planet. Yeah. I just think that doesn't bode well for oil longs. Yeah. When you look at a secular, you know, big step back picture, uh, anything that involves water, wind, solar, uh, or uh, biotech to me is always interesting. So when you have a situation like this, which is frankly pretty straightforward, and finally the solar stocks are taken off, and I mean, there's a, still a couple that are undervalued. And I think frankly, and the ICLN is another one, which is a green energy that is performing very well. And if you look at the bigger picture, I mean, these things have been really depressed. So they are cheap, even though they seem like, hey, we've rallied so much, it's been a big move, I can't get in. I would counter that with saying if you look at the longer term charts and you go back, you know, 15 years, some of these things have been, you know, demonstrably higher. And I think the upside is significant here. What solar sure. play do you like the best here right now? Do you have a specific stock or anything? Um, I mean, you know, you, you have the ones that have obviously done very well. I mean, Vivant is at a new highs. You have Enphase at a new high. Yeah. Uh, the one that I kind of like that's uh, off the chart, I have to uh, look now because I've just been looking at so many of them recently. Yeah. Um, but um, gosh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, it's it sounds like Enphase. It's very similar uh, in in vision. Enphase has been a monster. Yeah, it really. You look at this thing, and this was five bucks back at the beginning of 2019. It's thirty nine dollars here now. Is it too late to jump in the like? It's been such a run for Enphase. I almost think like, whoa, I'm I'm way late to the party here. So. Uh, yeah, I do kind of think Enphase is a little bit out of the way. The one I'm thinking is Envision, E-V-S-I. Okay. That one we bought last week at like below $8. It's trading ten fifty. I mean, things up too. 30% in three days. Look at this move this thing has. $3 yeah. at the end of the year. So yeah. in a month and a half, this thing's went to 10 yeah. I feel like the trains left the yeah. station on this one too. But. but it's not because you look back, I mean, in 2006, you know, 2018, it's trading 22 Yeah. So. Uh, okay, go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, one more for Greg. No, go ahead, Joel. Uh, Greg, we had some people. We had Jonathan Corpina from the floor on, I don't know, a week or two ago. We started talking about different floor stuff. And I know you're a floor guy, and we've asked you for a couple stories. But uh, were you, your time on the floor, were you, were you ever fined for anything? <laughs> Joel's no, been trying to find somebody I, else who got in trouble because Joel got in yeah. trouble all the time. Did he? Um, He's looking for gee, more troublemakers. Gee, shocker. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I personally never got fined, but it's you only know, you, again, Joel. You're the only one that's been fined. Well, again, I mean, I'm 6'10, 300 pounds. In the <laughs> well, they don't find these guys. <laughs> well, nobody messes, on the floor nobody setting. messes with me. I'm not, you know, and I'm, I'm a because I can afford to be, you know, so I don't, I don't really have to. Okay. I just want not, not, not on the floor, anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. That's All right, great, great. Thank you. Uh, 
wealth of information. Greg Walden, Walden Financial. Great guest here on Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Thanks a lot, Greg. Nice Take care. All right. Um, real quick on the Make My Trip uh, news. I, I did miss that they had earnings uh, oh, okay. overnight. They also announced new CEO. The oh, revenue, the revenue a- was up. The losses was down, were down. And there's your explanation for the move in MMYT. Well, yeah. Make My Trip made, my, or made a lot of traders' day. So yeah. it was a big move yesterday. I don't know if it's going to fall through here today or not, but it'll be interesting to watch. All right, let's talk about this big note we have from Bank America this morning. Oh, oh yeah. The contrarian. casino stocks. They're saying, yeah. go buy Wynn Resort. Go buy Las Vegas Sands. That's what Bank of America is saying this morning. They're upgrading both of those stocks to buy. Uh, long term, I'm very skeptical of this. Short term, I'm actually long win right now. So here you go. Directly trading directly against my bias because it just feels like this market wants to go up no matter what. New stocks are depressed right now. So if it's a short-term day trade, I agree with them. Long-term, I have no idea. Um, I'm still concerned that Macau could be offline a lot longer than everybody thinks. So long-term, I'm a little bit more concerned about it, but uh, that's just, you know, I'm still in it for a trade. So that's all I'm going to say. Uh, they're pretty good. Bank of America has moved the stock. Uh, got up to 137.81. And what do you have on the dailies here? Uh, boom, boom. I see resistance. Well, you took out the 135 and a half pair of highs. So if you're buying this thing early, you want to see it hold 135 and a half. That's pretty close. Uh, did we fill the gap? Uh, boom, boom. Let's see what we have. If we have any gaps to fill in this one. Uh, no, fill the gap. I don't know. 140 40, is major I was just going to say, yeah. You know, and, and even before that, right where it's stalling out a little bit here in the pre-market, at the high at 135.73. I mean, if you're if you're worried about uncertainty, and I'm completely talking against my trading book here, and I said I'm long it, but if you're worried about the uncertainty here, you know, of what time is coronavirus, this is a direct hit. So um, I'm still, you know, long-term overly cautious. I will be selling my win resort that I have. It was just an overnight thing. So this isn't like a, this is a short-term overnight trade. I will be selling it here today. Why Why would you wait to the open and not now? You just think that's where you're going to get upgraded. the best price? No, it's upgraded. So I'm just, you know, trading it just, I feel like there's right, a little right, more right. oomph to it. So okay. it's going to be up. I mean, if it was no upgrade, I would be hitting that bid left and right. But it's upgraded. Stock's been depressed. There's probably a few people caught short it right now. So I'm trying to maximize squeezing those gotcha. people who are okay. playing the short side on this thing right now. Las Vegas Sands there too. Same thing. So, you know, I'm in it for the upgrade. I got gotcha. you. Okay. And you figure you find some buyers off the open. Yeah. I, what about a sleepy chart here? Tesla. We haven't talked Tesla in a couple I of did, days. No, we talked to yesterday. I didn't like the response to that um, article opinion piece that they sold it right off. You have a you know a nice consolidation station here though, so you can go with the winner here. I think um, below set the candle from you know the day that the Forbes article came out seven fifty two. I get nervous on this thing, and I think the bears take control. Above the candle there for 820, the bulls take control. You had a complete inside day there yesterday. You Let's did. see what happens. I think below 752, the stock is in trouble. I think above 820, the squeeze could still be on. So that's where my line in the sand. You're right in the middle here. I'm not going to swing the pitch until one of those two things happen. But it gets interesting from both perspectives, above 820 or below 752. And uh, I'll just go a little bit longer term on this. Now, the day that it hit 968.99 traded nearly 61 million shares. 
And the volume has kind of been declining, 48, 39, 17. It bumped up a little bit yesterday, uh, near 25 million. Yes, or excuse me, two days ago. Yesterday, 12 million. So to me, you know, where are the buyers? You know, are the, you know, who's good? Not me, and I know not you, Dennis, but who's going to put new money to work on the long side with Tesla at 800 in this kind of run? So, you know, sellers are being patient. They're just waiting for this thing to go higher. But where are the buyers? The buyers got to come out and push this thing. And it's uh, a big test for it right now. Yeah, I, I mean, do it's too. A very, it's being tested here. It got overbought. It got ridiculous and just went parabolic there when it got to the 950. Now it's trying to digest that move. And can it, you know, continue the move higher here? I mean, it has done this in the past. We know we've continued the move every single time higher. I mean, the price is just, you know, a, a little more crazy because it's had such a big move. Um, so I'm just going to say again, I mean, if this trend breaks, that's where it would get concerning here. Technically speaking, trend is still intact. So um, I don't think, I think you hold on until it gets below 750. I love, 750, I love CNBC I like when uh, this thing pulled back that it, it is now, a fi- Tesla's officially in a bear market. Yeah, you on know. that first day, yeah, uh, 10 like, minutes after it made the all-time high, it made a new bear market. Yeah. I mean, the Woo. 20%, and you know, and maybe that's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek joking to a certain extent. I don't extent, think so. I don't, I don't think so. The, the, orig- the, the way that they define, you know, the market I defines know, bear market is 20% off of the highs. So any stock that rallies, you know, 100% a week is probably going to have a 20% pullback in there. So is that really a bear market? Not really. I mean, we have to redefine it for stocks like this. And I'm not sure bear markets and bull markets, I mean, it should apply to even single stocks. A bear market applies to the overall market of bull market. Stocks trade. Yeah, there's some stocks that are off 20%. Does that mean they're in their own individual bear markets? I tell you, Tesla isn't in a bear market until it starts to, you know, really, really, if you really want to get, you know, the line in the sand, it would be that 687 low because that's the low of the recent move. So I would say Tesla's not in a full-on concerning to the bulls until it gets below about 100 points lower than here at 687. Okay. All right, Spencer, we only got uh, two minutes left here. What would you like to? Uh, I, there was one more rating that caught my eye, and that was uh, Micron. UBS is playing catch up this morning on their Micron rating. They're upgrading Micron to buy, raising their price target from forty-seven to seventy-five dollars. And we've had one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. five upgrades of Micron this year alone. Just gappy. Uh, I, 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 I'm. It's everything in my power. I own this in my long-term portfolio, and it's taking everything in my power not to sell it. Um. It's had such a move. It's cyclical. I learned the hard way. I got all my money back that I lost. You know, the loss aversion guy in my head. You know, remember Herman's head? Do you remember Herman's head? Do you remember that show, Joel? Herman's where they had like head? the four people in your head. You have like the anxiety person that's nervous all the time, you know, and the nervous guy drives the bus sometimes. And then you have, you know, the sensitivity. It's the, uh, the sensitivity person who's like, oh, being nice. And then you have the logic the logic guy who's using his logic and thinking everything through. And then the other guy was the last, the guy that just has the id. He just wants to, you know, eat all the crappy food and, and you know, and, and, you know, just basically goes with his inhibitions. So right now on this, the anxiety guy, when I look at my micron in my head, the anxiety guy is totally driving the bus. He's like, sell the stock, sell the stock. I'm so nervous about this micron. We got our money back, sell the stock. And the logic guy says, yeah, we got our money back. You know, maybe that's not a bad idea. Uh, but, you know, this is the time where it can actually start to, you know, move in your favor. You got your money back, but just relax here a little bit. Let it simmer. You know, now the stock's moving in your favor. It might go up. And the anxiety guy keeps saying, sell, sell, sell. So I don't know. 
But I don't know who's going to win this one. I'm really torn, but I have been close to selling this thing a lot here right now. I don't like the fact that it's top back out here in June of 2018 and we're struggling in the same area. Same thing with Square. So these two stocks, if both big moves, I'm, I'm way up in the Square. I bought it at 61. We know I've talked about that. But it's starting to struggle in the same area that it struggled back in June as well, where you have all those highs. And the anxiety guy says, sell, sell, sell. So Logic Guy says, oh, you still got the trend in your friend. Try to hold on. So I'm not sure who's going to win, but I kind of want to ring the register in Square and Micron. What that, should I do? What should I do? Well, the chat is saying sell half. The, you know, to take Maybe two. that's the thing to do, but. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Whenever I sell half, it's usually always a bad move. You know why no, it's, it's bad? When you, you know buy why? half, it's bad. You, you know why it's always bad to do half? Because when you're glass half empty guy like me half the time, you'll always remember, oh, I should have sold it all or I should have. You know, you always look at the wrong side of that trade. So if it goes up, you'll say, why did I sell any? And if it goes down, you say, why didn't I sell it all? So you're always wrong. <laughs> was that the, what was that? The Pee Wee Herman indicator? Is that what you called it? The Pee Wee Herman? Yeah. What did head. you call it? That thing. Herman's head. Google oh. that. Herman's head. It was on, it was a show on TV for like three yeah, or four it years. I, it was a 90s sitcom. I can't believe that's oh, the sitcom like that name dropped on our show. Herman's shirt. head. I love that show. And I was like, this is the stuff that goes on in my head right now. The anxiety guy, the logic guy, you got all this stuff going on in your head right now. Who's going to knock the other person and drive the bus, which is what you're going to do. Inside Out, which is a Disney movie, was kind of a ripoff of Herman's Head. So if you watched Inside Out, it's the same story. But Herman's Head had the original idea. Okay. There. What's right. going on inside Herman's Head? And they show these four people and they're fighting with each other to make the next decision. I mean, it's, it's kind of how, how it works. I, I, I'm not envious of what goes on in your head. Dennis. No, nobody is. I'll say that. Right. I don't, I'm not envious about what goes on in my head. Sometimes I wish I could be in somebody else's head. Hey, Dennis, people are, uh, I don't, someone's asking you about beyond your thoughts on beyond me before earnings. I don't see them reporting until April 15th. Did I miss a date here? I haven't looked at the chart beyond me for a while. Let's do it quick. Oh, yeah. you know what? Holding on. It's still trying to hold on. I mean, you know, from a fundamental perspective, it makes no sense whatsoever. But we know fundamentals don't matter in this market right now. It gets above 123, 124, maybe the squeeze is back on. So keep an eye. I'd say in here, it's still just a consolidation station. But there, yesterday's high. We'll look at that. It starts to get above there. It starts to get interesting. Yeah, this is – it's getting tight. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'll play it real – what are we doing here? We're trading up 96 cents. I'll, I'll, make the, I'll call this one close to the belt. Uh, we got a whole 116.10, matching lows from the last two sessions. Boom, whole 116.10 if you're a swing trader looking to get back up into the 120s. On the upside, if we see 122.80 today, I'll call that uh, two-star resistance. That splits your high from Friday and Monday. All right. Bull for trade. Bull for trade. And it says trade Micron, don't own it. Because Kramer always says, you know, own Apple, don't trade it. Bull for trade saying trade Micron, don't own it. You know what? That's been the way to play Micron. When it has these big moves, it's always been a good idea to ring the register because it's so bloody cyclical. It seems like it always gives you another chance. All right. That is it for our show. You can always catch our podcast uh, on whatever podcast platform you prefer or watch our show on youtube.com slash TV. want to thank our guest today. Greg Weldon, thanks to all of you in our chat, both chats, the one on YouTube and the one on premarket.benzinga.com. Shoot us an email, premarket at benzinga.com, or call us 734-494-0246. Leave us a voicemail. We might ask your question on the show. 
Uh, what else do I have to say? Uh, click on the link in the description for a uh, discount and a free trial to Benzinga Pro. Also, for our Florida listeners, the Cannabis Capital Conference is coming up February 24th and 25th in Miami. Go to BenzingaEvents.com to learn more about that upcoming conference. And please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.